What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brent McGrath. Hope you are well. Thank you for stopping by. Excited to share this conversation with you on Monday. That'll be our last Modern Day Marketer episode of 2022, taking a little break. But we're going to close it out with a couple strong ones, and we'll be back on the other side. Just wanted to say thank you for coming by. We've seen so much growth on the show and wanted to give an opportunity to say thanks. We haven't done this before, introduced this on Monday's episode. Um, But between now and the end of January, when you visit thejuicehq.com, we just updated the site, by the way. Shout out, Elena. You can use promo code MODERN and you'll receive 35% off your content distribution packages for the next six months. Marketers distributing content on the Juice receive hands-off content distribution and actionable data. You can start that today. We wanted to put together something, some sort of way to say thank you for anyone out there who might be curious about content distribution through the Juice. So 35% offer, not too shabby. But on today's episode, excited to bring to you Molly Clark. Molly is the Vice President of Digital Marketing at Spiff. Spiff is a very, very cool modern brand. Go check out their stuff. What we're going to be talking about is where should content sit on your marketing team. We're going to talk about her experience, content marketing and org placement, what are some important skills required for the most effective content marketers. We go deep, and this conversation is a ton of fun. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, all the buttons. Most importantly, tell your marketing friends you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Let's kick it over to the episode. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. Excited for this conversation. We are going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, one we haven't explored on the show, so I'm pumped for this. It is where should content sit on your marketing team? I'm joined by Molly Clark, who's the Vice President of Marketing at Spiff. We're going to be talking about content marketing, how she's thinking about it, where it's integrated where it's come from, where it's gone. But I think uh, there's a lot that we can hit that'll be beneficial to you out there in the audience listening. But without further ado, Molly, welcome. How are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, Maybe before we jump in, uh, share a little bit of perspective, kind of the high level, like what is Spiff for anyone who doesn't know um, who you guys are and what y'all do? Yeah, so Spiff is a um, commission automation platform. Basically, we offer benefits to both sides of the house. At the end user level, we make commissions more transparent and easy to access and understand um, for sales reps. And then on the other side of things, we make it easier to automate complex commission plans for the admin user. Awesome. And I know we're going to be talking a lot about just the role of the content marketer um, specifically, but maybe we we zoom out of that just as the launching point. I know you have been kind of in digital marketing roles throughout your career, you know, functional and leadership. I'm curious just to kick things off, like what are maybe some of the most notable most notable areas where you believe digital marketing has changed over the last several years? Yeah, definitely. I think COVID was the impetus for a lot of change that we've seen um, in marketing spaces recently. I think a lot of things that were um, maybe more inaccessible and and gated off in-person experiences were forced to go digital in ways that we had never really seen before as marketing professionals. So there were events, there were webinars, there were different types of experiences, and people were forced to kind of think outside the box and, and digitize things that hadn't originally been digital or hadn't even thought of as being digital experiences. And 
I think even though we're starting to see some of that shift back, um, I don't know that we're ever going to see such a delineation between digital and non-digital marketing um, moving forward, just because I think a lot of people have seen a lot of benefit from mixing the two more and making non-digital experiences far more digital. People have access to more things. You don't have to travel all over the country to get access to certain speakers and certain sessions. And um, I think the knowledge sharing and the access to different types of companies and different types of companies' content and experiences has been the biggest change I've seen by far. Just on that note, I'm curious, like the responsibility of the marketer knowing what we know now or where we have come from. Like I think about this a lot and I just think about just like things that I might have done in the past to get someone's attention or to you know generate a lead, maybe based on the change of everybody being digital and barriers lowering things might change a little bit. So maybe like just the responsibility of the marketer as we've gone through this tremendous shift and change, like how, how do you think about that in your role? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know that I've ever thought about it like that before. I think there's a lot of uncharted territory right now. And I think that's kind of always been the case in digital. There's always been something new, always been a change. I, I don't know that I think of it as much as the responsibility as having to be smarter with what you're doing. And what I mean by that is because things are so accessible, in some senses, I feel like maybe things have And I I mean accessible in the sense that you can reach a bigger audience, you can reach a larger group of people. It's almost made things a little too available. And so you have to be very careful and you have to be strategic about always reflecting back on who it is that you're trying to reach, why it is you're trying to reach them and and what is going to be the best, most valuable experience for them. And I think the marketers that always lean back on those three things Will continue to win. It's just a different game, if that makes sense. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it, it 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 does, and I think it's actually probably a pretty good segue into just content in general and thinking about content where it sits, how we should be thinking about it. I think about you know five years ago and maybe even further back. Don't want to date myself too much, but just thinking about like content marketing and that role within the marketing team. It's like, all right, we have a content marketer. We're going to sit the content marketer over here and. What that content marketer should do is just churn out a bunch of blog posts because we want to make Google happy. We want people to find us, put pack those keywords in. And I think it was just a function. And now content just seems to be through the most successful brands and organizations, it seems to be like fully integrated. And it seems like the content marketing world that I knew five years ago has has shifted and changed. And I think it's for, for the better of all the people that we're trying to reach. Maybe talk a little bit about it from your perspective, just as, you know, digital marketing, marketing leader, how you maybe have thought about content and that role in the past and maybe what has changed. Yeah. So I started uh, right after college, primarily in an SEO role. Um, And so I think my take on content, although my background wasn't content and what I'd studied was journalism um, and communication. I, my perspective on content was exactly kind of how you described it, right? Like how can we make Google happy? How can we get it in front of the most eyes without necessarily thinking about intent or the value that it's actually providing to readers or uh, consumers of that content? And I think that was just the nature of the game at that point. And even then, I think the companies that really nailed intent and really nailed writing for that intent and writing to provide value, they definitely won. I think the difference is that now 
that's kind of a requirement, right? So you have the content, if you want it to make everybody happy, you want it to make the readers happy, you want it to make Google happy, it has to provide value. Whereas in the very beginning, when I started, you could write bad content, you could write content that didn't serve a purpose, and it would do fairly well in terms of traffic. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. I think that's a key differentiator for most organizations now. If you have somebody in charge of content or a content department or somebody thinking about content from the perspective of the reader and from the perspective of the buyer persona, it's almost like that's the bare minimum at this point. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was like just what the winning organizations were doing. So I think just the nature of... Google has forced that function a little bit. And because there's just so many more companies that understand the value of content marketing, it just has to be better or else companies can't really succeed like that. In terms of thinking about it as a function, it's it's a little complicated in the way that I've seen it has been shifting even, I mean, over the course of the last 15 years, it's shifted in the sense of where does content sit? Who does content report to? Who's in charge of content? I've seen it kind of all kinds of different ways. I've seen content sit in digital. I've seen content sit on demand. I've seen it sit on brand teams. I've seen it stand out on its own in its own little island. And I I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer there. I think it's going to look different depending on what stage of growth a company is in. I think the key there um, is less about where it sits and more about making it accessible and aligned with the rest of the organization. And what I mean by that is content isn't a function anymore. It's more a it's more a partnership with other pieces of organizations. So whether within the marketing department or outside of the marketing department, there's so many people that should have an influence on content and content strategy. And I think that's really the key in a in a modern marketing team to success in content. So can digital um, and SEO voice their opinions and come with insights um, and and look at reports and come up with different topics based on what they're finding? Can customer-facing roles and prospect-facing roles voice their opinions and come to the table with potentially new ideas that those in who aren't in customer-facing roles haven't thought of necessarily? You know, so it's more about who has access to the content and content strategy. And also, um, are you giving your content creator space to speak to all of the different people who might have good ideas and who might have insights versus I think the old way of doing it, which was essentially just setting up a content factory and churning out as much as possible. I love it. So much you said there was good. And I want to get, let me see if I can say this spiff specific. That's tough to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, what have you found with content and or org placement at spiff? Like, how are you organized? Why are you organized that way? Like, what have you found has worked? Maybe what hasn't worked? Like, get into your own use, use case. Yeah. So I've only been at spiff for less than two years, I think in the grand scheme of things, that's probably like decades in spiff terms because yeah. um, we're not a very old company. But we have st- we have tried a couple of different structures and none of them, I wouldn't say any of them were particularly bad or good. Right now, content sits on the digital team and that is a product of, and that's my team, and that's a product of, I think, how we built out the marketing organization in the sense that I, I think I was one of a couple of the first hires here um, after the CMO. And so because I'd had history 
um, running content departments before and content functions before in an organization. Um, it just was a little bit of a natural fit. And from there, it's grown. Um, and we work with, I would say, probably four or five different people now on the content side. And they roll up into me, but it's more of the way that I think of it is more of a network. And I know that that doesn't necessarily work for like hierarchy purposes in an organization, but basically I know that people on my content team and, and anyone who is writing content for Spiff is in regular communication with a couple of different people. And the first is the core persona that we're selling to in other organizations. And that is on that admin and finance side. So are they having regular conversations with the person in-house that has the most knowledge of being the person we're selling to? Are they regularly meeting with them, asking them questions? Do they have a relationship there? I think it's important to, especially in B2B companies where you have access to that, it's um, important to set up those conversations and help content creators have relationships with the key personas that you're selling to. If if they're available within the organization, that's been huge. I think it's also important for them to have access to all of the different seats at the marketing table. So do they talk to product marketing? Do they talk to customer marketing? Are they working closely with demand gen to make sure that the content we are creating aligns well with um, integrated campaign strategies? And then on the branding side, of course, it's about voice and making sure that you're embodying the voice of kind of what we want the company to sound like. Uh, so it's the way that I picture it in my head is more of like content marketing sitting at the center of this network where they're available and open to, and it's kind of baked into the, I don't know if you would call it the operations, but operationally baked into the role that they're having conversations with all of the people who can bring different types of insights to the table. And that's not to say they're coming up with ideas or simply just like the content person is never just an order taker. I mean it more in the sense of, are they having conversations that can lead the content people and the people responsible for creating content and content strategy to the ideas that are going to be the most successful, if that makes sense. It, it does. And I think probably I want to like, just put an exclamation point next to this. Cause you said it a couple of times, but like one of the most important things I think you've said is that like your content people need the space to have conversations because if they're not what I believe based on that, if they're not having conversations then they're, they do not have the ability to create impactful, valuable content for the people that they're creating for. So I think this idea of like having conversations, synthesizing notes and fa facilitating that back into really good content that you're distributing out is like, that's like textbook content creator in 2022 going into 2023. That's like a, a requirement, I believe. I'm curious, like it can be based on that or other things, like what skills, what other skills do you think are critical for successful content marketers now? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, um, especially as we're growing our team. I I genuinely believe that hiring good content creators is one of it's it's one of the hardest jobs to hire for. And I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure what it is about that role, but it's definitely something that I've been thinking a lot about and I think part of it there's a lot of soft skills I think that go into hire into being a good content marketer and and part of that comes into having those conversations and I think if you want to drill down into that and what those skills would be, I think it's a level of curiosity and a little bit of empathy, I think, to want to understand 
on a deep level who it is you're writing for and what they care about and what they're struggling with. And then being curious enough to reach out to somebody in your organization, even if it's just a Slack message or it doesn't have to be a formal interview, but that curiosity, I think, really makes for great content. And it's not necessarily something you can always operationalize. You can set up interviews with personas. You can set up customer calls. You can share links to gong calls with prospects and sales reps. But at the end of the day, you need someone who's really curious and who's going to say, hey, I don't quite understand this, or this is a pain point that I find interesting that we haven't talked about yet. And that level of curiosity, I think is huge. So the curiosity and then the empathy, I think the empathy is what makes for an I don't know the best way to describe this, but maybe real content, like realistic content. And what I mean by that is I think there's, especially when you're, um, and I've been this person before, so I feel like I can speak to it, but when you're writing for the same personas and you're talking about the same problems and the same solutions for a while, it's really easy to paint the same picture. And it's really easy to exaggerate or say, this is the worst thing in the world for sales reps, or this is the worst thing in the world for admin. But if you were to look at a realistic kind of explanation of what it is you're talking about, right? It's not the worst thing in the world. It's maybe annoying, but it's easy to get into these ruts where you kind of overgeneralize. And I think that level of empathy, um, of course, paired with that level of curiosity, I think that leads to much more relatable and helpful content because you're not just relying on the same kind of characterizations of who you're writing for, what you're writing about. I love those two call outs, empathy and curiosity. Agreed. Um, 100 on both of those. I think those are critical. Um, I want to maybe touch on the kind of digital experience. You mentioned this earlier, but content making sure I just think about like content marketing and demand generation and making sure content is being built for your audience, but also works with those integrated campaigns. Like I'd love to maybe understand from you, like, how do you make sure at Spiff that those things are working together cohesively and not um, rubbing against each other? Because we've all we've all been there. Those things rub against each other, create a really bad experience for the people we're trying to reach. And then it ends up doing more harm than good. So maybe talk a little bit about that and the relationship between those two functions. Yeah. So I'm lucky. I have a great relationship with the head of demand gen here. and. I've, I've primarily worked places that I have great relationships with head of demand gen. And I think that alignment is, it starts at the top and it makes it much easier for people not to bump heads and there not to be any kind of friction between the two here. I think this is definitely like speaking of things you can operationalize and bake into a marketing department. I think this is one of them and it starts with the planning process for your integrated campaigns. I think one of the things that I kind of say a lot and I'm sure I get eye rolls at some points um, because I say it so much, but nobody should be creating content for the sake of creating content if it doesn't feed a larger purpose. So we have this idea of having a definition of victory for everything. And so even if it's a blog post, even if it's something that might seem insignificant, if you don't understand why you're doing something or the the larger role that it plays in like your marketing strategy or your content strategy... This is not to say don't do it, but ask some questions, figure out why it is you're doing it. Um, And I think that that goes back to having content that feeds a purpose and that everyone's probably listening saying, well, duh, of course. But when you get into organizations that are growing quickly and 
you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, things can start to kind of spin out of control and you have people creating for the sake of creating and you've hired writers. So they're writing, but are you making that connection to the top level goals with the people on the ground doing the work? I think that's a big question to be asking. The way that we do it at Spiff is I am sitting in a room virtual in person with our head of demand gen side by side coming up with those integrated campaign plans. And so what that looks like, it it has evolved a little bit as we've gotten bigger, but we'll come to the table with general themes or ideas and we'll think about how we want those to influence campaigns and how it is we want to be saying whatever that messaging is that aligns with the overarching theme across different channels and what that looks like over the course of a quarter or two quarters or three quarters, depending on what it is that the theme is. And just really level setting and getting on the same page with each other as you come up with those plans. I think that's been huge for us because we leave that room knowing what the three or four things are we're going to talk about. And so even if my head of demand doesn't necessarily know what's on the blog calendar for the next week, she has trust in me that it's going to align with one of those core things that we're trying to talk about. And so I know if there's a webinar coming out, it's likely going to be something that is born out of a piece of content we've created or something that aligns with some overarching messaging that we've agreed on. And so there's a lot of brainstorming, but it really feels as simple as getting on the same page from the beginning, at the beginning of a quarter, at the beginning of a year, whatever it is that a planning cycle looks like, and kind of trusting each other to do that job. Of course, there's going to be times when somebody misses the mark, whether it's me um, or her or somebody on our team or somebody. And it's just about reiterating that goal and that message and that definition of victory and tying it back to that overarching goal. And I found we don't have a lot of instances where things are being created that don't serve that larger purpose or don't align with kind of what it is that we're hoping to do on the demand gen side. I love it. Uh, One final question on that relationship. When you go into these planning sessions and, you know, content campaigns, what are, based on both of your roles, KPIs, what you're all trying to do, like, what is kind of that North Star metric? Like, what are you all aligning on based on the work of both of your teams? Yeah. So both of us hold pipeline numbers. And so anything that we do trickles down from that pipeline number, but it depends then obviously on the channel breakout. And so we'll come prepared with, Hey, this worked last quarter on email, but it might not have worked really well on as a webinar format. So why don't we think about a way to do this differently? So everything rolls up into a pipeline number, but again, it gets pretty into the nitty gritty and the granular metrics depending on the different formats, the different channels, and also the different personas. There's a, there's definitely been times we've come back with learnings like, hey, we wrote this thing thinking it was for this group of people, but um, it seems it actually like resonated with this other group of people much more. Let's go back to the drawing board, maybe conduct some more interviews. Let's pull in some people to have a conversation with that might understand this persona a little better because it feels like maybe we didn't nail it. So yeah, did that answer your question? Um, yeah. Everything rolls back to pipeline, but gets real specific when you dig into it. I, I love it. No, that seems super smart. Start with pipeline and then break it out. Uh, before I let you get out of here, we we talked about the the former. And I when I think about this visualization of the former, I think of just the individual at their desk, just like cranking out blog post after blog post after blog post and just trying to make Google happy. And I think that was the old way we thought about content marketing and is shifted. And, you know, you could hear the shift just by listening to how you describe content at Spiff and 
where it fits in and, and what it what the content role is looking to achieve. I'd love for you to maybe close out with just like advice for just any marketing team leader out there, just in terms of like, how can we begin to maybe modernize our marketing machine in a way that is more, I guess, what our audience wants with content as opposed to what we want and what we're looking to achieve based on our numbers. Like what are some kind of maybe final words of wisdom you can leave the audience with? Yeah. the first, There are two things that popped into my mind as you're asking. One is more, I'm going to get some eye rolls. It's more high level, a little bit of a cliche and the other is definitely more tactical. So I'll go with both and hope something lands with somebody <laughs> out there. Um, I think this has not changed. And what I'm about to say, I've, I think I would have said maybe 15 years ago too, but really when it comes to content, it's quality over quantity. And I think that's going to sting with some of my digital folks, but well, quantity is important to some extent um, in the volume of content that you're putting out. It, none of that will matter if it's not high quality content. And so I think the advice there is understand what your North Star metric is and what it is that you're shooting for, what your definition definition of victory is, and then define what high quality content looks like to serve that goal and focus on that before you focus on scale. If you focus on quantity before you focus on quality, you're going to end up in a year with a, a library of content that isn't doing anything for you, isn't helping you serve any goals. Or if you focus on quality right now, you might have half of that body of content in a year from now, but it's already compounding and generating more traffic and you're already learning things from it and being able to tweak your new stuff um, because you took the time up front to produce um, high quality content. And then the second thing was going to be more tactical. I don't even know if I remember what it was. I think it was kind of a combination of my answer right there. The the quality versus quantity is the high level. And then the tactical is focus on that first, if that makes sense. I'm sure it it'll do- come to me at some point. But. <laughs> it, 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 it does make sense. I think the quality versus quantity conversation is uh, one we always like to have over here. You shared a ton. Thank you for kind of giving us a little peek behind the curtain at how you're organized and how you think about digital marketing and where content fits in at Spiff. Molly, this was so much fun. Thanks for making the time. This is great. Thank you so much. Love that conversation. Molly is full of wisdom. Hopefully you learned something. I know I did. You take care of yourself, take care of others around you. We'll be back on Monday, one more Modern Day Marketer episode in 2022. Thank you for your support. Talk to you soon.